Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with one of our guest mentors, uh, Darren Fung, who comes to us with a different uh, background where he uh, was both an accountant and, uh, a law- and is currently a lawyer. Uh, and we'll get into kind of his, his background and his backstory. So, uh, Darren, why don't you start off by telling us what you're doing right now? Yeah, sure. So, uh, thanks for having me, Ricky. Um, yeah, I, so I am currently a corporate lawyer uh, working in private practice uh, uh, at a firm uh, in Toronto. And I mainly do two types of work. I, I have a capital markets practice. So, I do, um, I help public companies sell uh, debt and equity securities in public and private settings, Uh, sorry, public and private offerings. And I also do uh, mergers and acquisitions as well. So that's the, basically my practice at at, uh, my law firm right now. That's awesome. And and what I love to do is kind of dig into kind of the backstory. So if you can tell us what, what was Darren like as a kid, like growing up, was he outgoing, uh, shy? Did you always want to become a, a lawyer or I guess the accountant initially? So what, what were you like growing up and, and what were some of the, the influences that you had along the way? Yeah, uh, I think as a kid, I was generally quite outgoing, uh, meaning that I, I talked a lot. <laughs> uh, and uh, But I was also quite, in, in some ways, also quite introverted. Okay. I, I actually was quite a studious kid, I think. And I, I like to read, I like to, I didn't mind doing homework, which was quite weird of me. But yeah, I, um, I, I guess I was, I, was, I was a good student, I think, um, in terms of uh, being able to, to focus on my work and, 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 and keep myself motivated then. But yeah, I, 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 don't, I didn't purposely mean it that way, but I think I just ended up being a bit more studious studious than usual so I I guess I was a a good kid hopefully (laughs) maybe my mom has something different to say (laughs) cool well we might ask her later on no I'm just kidding Uh, (laughs) do you have like uh, any any siblings or 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 cousins that might have uh, kind of influenced you uh, along the way yeah I I had a lot of cousins actually in in the accounting world okay my um uh, in particular, I would say one of my aunt was probably the most influential in terms of my career early on. Uh, she was an accountant who practiced in Canada for a number of years, went to Hong Kong and continued there and was quite successful. Yeah. Uh, she worked in audit and then later on started her own consulting practice. And she did financial advisory work, cons- uh, audit, accounting compilations, all sorts of things. Um, and and she was what um, kind of influenced me to look into uh, going to accounting as, as a career. Uh, and, and she explained it to me as, well, accounting is basically a language of business people. Okay. And so it was a great starting point, no matter where you ended, to, to have that foundation um, in the business world. And, and that's what got me interested in, in accounting to, to start with. Cool. So my aunt was very influential in, in the beginning of my um, my career, actually. And, and when did that start? Was that more kind of at a grade school level? Because uh, I, I don't know how how early on you had contact with your, with your aunt. And did it, like, 
at that point you automatically knew you were going to become an accountant or were there also influences from like mom and dad or other folks that that also said and pointed you to the accounting direction or something that pulled you away from it was there any 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 other options along the way yeah i i think my aunt would have been an influence mainly in my high school days okay and i think my parents were also indirectly influenced as well because she saw like my parents saw that my aunt was doing so well and that you know she built her own business and and her starting point was also in accounting and so i think between those my parents and my aunt they sort of kind of influenced me into business slash accounting and and then it also made sense to me i i mean i i get that you know accounting is is just so fundamental in the business world that i also thought it would have been a good foundation for whatever i did decided to do in the future so so yeah cool. they, so, they were important influences early on that's awesome so in your high school days then was it always kind of a, a, a single track to get into accounting or did you also explore like some of the scientists sciences or something because uh like typically the the agent upbringing is a doctor and (laughs) lawyer and so you hit two out of the four which is just pretty 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 good uh but did you ever explore kind of the the other side of it or is it no i mean i I see a great path here so i'm just going to stick with accounting i think really to be honest early on um, I was struggling between whether or not to go into engineering or accounting, uh, very like mathy sort of careers, uh, you would, I, I, you could certainly say. And, uh, so I took a lot of the math courses in, in, uh, in high school, uh, a lot of like the physics, chemistry, biology, the usual sciences. Right. And I think I, I, I learned from, from high school that I just wasn't very good at at the sciences like I just had no natural like like it just I didn't pick it up easily and I found that uh, although I was actually okay in math I sort of struggled in the sciences and so I ended up thinking oh maybe you know maybe engineering isn't the best choice for me and actually at that point I, I realized that I was much better in the math but also in the language department I I think I quite excelled in in my English and literature courses and so I was sort of more divided then whether or not to go into more uh, a linguistic sort of career or a more uh, math-based sort of career Um, so I think maybe now that I now that I think about it it does make me it does sort of make sense that I had that inclination to either go into accounting or law in the end Mm. and I guess I ended up doing a bit of both but but it, it sort of makes sense now that I, I think back to it and, and now that you, you kind of make me uh, reflect. That sounds good. And out of the, the group of friends that you had in, I guess, uh, earlier in, uh, in high school, right? Were they kind of uh, mathy and, and sciencey as well, which kind of pulled you in that direction? Or were they more on the like language, uh, business or, or math side? Um, or were there, were there influences in that side? Yeah, I, I would say most of my friends. Uh, so just for context, I, I went to school at, at St. Rob's in, in Markham. And I, I think uh, that area is predominantly quite quite Asian, I would say. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so uh, a lot of the people came from a similar uh, upbringing where, you know, math-based or science jobs, careers, that, that was preferred and I actually didn't know a lot of uh, Asian lawyers growing up so I I didn't that wasn't 
generally uh, on the radar. Um, so my my influence in, within my friend group was to go more towards the 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 mathy, the science, the mm -hmm. business side, and um, I guess that also pushed me to do accounting first. And that so I, I guess that that does make a lot of sense now, um, because I a lot of my friends ended I doing a business school list. So, so that was great. Cool. And then, and then how did you, uh, I guess, make that decision of, of which university to go to? Cause I would imagine there's uh, a lot of competition to get into the kind of the top schools and, and, and things like that. Uh, like accounting one where it's highly regarded in, in the Asian circles. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. What was the decision like to, to kind of pick a school? Um, I know you did co-op. Was that, was that a big factor in, in the decision or, or what other, uh, what other things could, could folks look at in order to make a decision to go to, to a university or not? Yeah. So quite personally, I, I, I knew that in the back of my mind, I very likely would have wanted to, to pursue um, law school after my undergrad. Okay. And I needed undergrad to go to law school anyway. So um, in the back of my mind, I needed a school that hopefully wasn't a program that wasn't too hard. I have to say, because I, need, I knew I needed the marks to get into law school. Um, second of all, uh, I needed something fast. I, I couldn't, I didn't want to spend so much time in an undergrad program that would be very long and then start my second career later in life, uh, too late in life, I guess. Um, so I, I wanted a program that was also fast. And then I also wanted to a program that would give me some work experience and, and somehow I found that the U of T Scarborough co-op program was just very flexible and it just really met that timeline that I was looking for. And, and so I picked U of T Scarborough because it had the co-op. Um, it gave me the work experience. Um, and I was actually able to shrink the program a bit. I finished, I started in September, 2009 and I finished in December, 2012 so I was able to compress it as well into like three and a half years so okay. that was also one of the considerations I had at the time and and so um it worked out and I, I was able to graduate a little earlier and start this whole CPA exam process a little, a little earlier and then that helped me along the way to to try to get into law school as as quickly as possible so that was sort of the thinking I had at the time but I, I sort of see that that was probably a, a bit more personal in in my circumstances for sure sure so so actually you had the understanding that you want to get into law even before uh, you went into uh, into undergrad so um, uh, yeah, the, the, how, how did that influence uh, come in, right? So you were influenced by your aunt to, to go into accounting, which made a whole bunch of sense. And how did the, the, the law influence come about? Yeah, I, I don't know now exactly where it came about. I think, I think there was a time where I started to realize I was struggling in the sciences. And I wasn't sure if I wanted a career in, in maybe a very mathy sort of role. And so I started to think, well, what else could I do? And, and I guess what I was good at was, I guess I was relatively good at was more on the, on the language side. And so I was thinking, oh, maybe, maybe a career in law would also be uh, fitting for me. And so I, I started to take more and more English and literature courses in high school. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. And 
I think from there, and also for context, I, I have a very strong, big interest in like politics. I watched a lot of news as a kid. Um, I could probably like list out all the MPs, all the cabinet ministers at the time. It's, it's so nerdy of me, but that was just what I was interested in as a kid. And so um, I think between my, my relatively... Uh, relatively stronger side being my linguistic side and my interest in politics that sort of um, planted the seed to think about law as a, as a potential career when I was younger. That's interesting because I haven't heard too many kids that uh, know all the cabinet ministers and things like that so maybe we'll d- dive into that in a future discussion but uh, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd want to talk a little bit okay so you are uh, going into um, accounting because it's the language of business. So it's always a good foundation for anything. Um, and then you uh, really have law in kind of your sights. That's kind of the, the ultimate goal. Um, but what, what was the, the thought process to kind of condense the program? Because you did it in a shorter amount, but even with a co-op too. So that's even harder. So how, like how many courses did you take in a single term? Or like how did you manage to, to condense it? Uh, I, I sort of took a shortcut. I, I didn't exactly finish the, the co-op program. Oh, so nice. I think traditionally you would be, you would do eight study terms and three co-op terms. Um, but I decided, I asked if I could cancel my last co-op term and just work earlier. And they were very accommodating and they let me move it around. So, uh, I ended up just not doing one co-op term and graduating a semester early. And that helped me write my first CA exam, which was uh, in January, CKEs in January of each year. So if I was able to graduate just before January, then I would be eligible to write the January CKE. Well, that's the old program, right? And so um, that helped me fast track my, my CA exams. Cool. But unfortunately, I didn't end up writing with my friends, so that I guess that was not not so great. So anyway, oh. different story. You had to study on your own and, and figure it out on your own. But uh, yeah, what, what was the the process like to grab? Uh, I guess your first uh, co op term, or did you have any uh, like previous work experience uh, before you did any of your co op terms? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, so I did not have any work experience before co op. I. I had done, I worked two weeks at a summer camp and that was it. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even stand the summer camp I worked at. And so I, I left after two weeks. Um, and I was very concerned when I was starting university. And I was thinking in the back of my mind, well, I don't have any work experience. Um, I, this is my first, I'm, I'm looking for first job as a co-op. How is it possible that anyone would trust me to do any professional job. <laughs> so I thought that was my thinking. I was, so I was very worried during the whole recruitment uh, process, but, but luckily it worked out. Like I, um, I ended up working at Deloitte and, in the audit practice and it was just a great experience. And, and I think what it took was just someone, at the time I, I really thought that, I think someone just believed in me and they thought they had confidence that, you know, based on maybe my academic record that I would do well in the work experience. But I really think that someone really just took a leap of faith because I didn't have any work experience and I have not proved myself in any professional setting. So um, to me, that was really a key, key milestone for me. I think like that, that really, I think, 
could you you could say I in my mind really changed my life. I think. Cool. So in that process, I, I guess you were someone with really really good grades uh, from from a university context, and and did you I had just decent the- grades? I didn't. I wasn't like the like I had decent grades, but not. I was not like the top like five person in my class. Okay. So. Yeah. So, okay. so from that side, then, well, I was just more, more curious in terms of like, well, did you follow the normal uh, hiring cycle where you just applied online and went through interviews and then someone just kind of decided to take a chance on you? Or were there other factors in play where there might have been other things that kind of contributed to, to that person selecting you? Yeah, I, I did do the, the, the regular um, co-op interview process where, you know, you, you interview with a whole bunch of people and they rank you and you rank right. them sort of thing. I, I d- definitely went through that. Uh, and But leading up to it, I, I was invited to apply for uh, DNLC, the Deloitte National Leadership Conference. Right. And um, actually, I didn't know about it at the time. I What happened was... Uh, in I, it must have been my first year uh we were having mock interviews for co-op and my interviewer was from deloitte mm-hmm. and they told after the mock interview they're like oh did you hear about dnlc i'm like oh no i, I didn't I, I didn't know anything about it um they said well you know it's a conference to learn more about Deloitte and their practice and to get to know the people at the firm and um, by the way there's a kickoff event that that night like there okay. was the mock interview and later that day there was the the kickoff event and they said well why don't you come with us and do you have anything to do I'm like well well for sure like why not <laughs> and so I went to the kickoff event I learned more about it I applied and that really just started my journey at Deloitte because I ended up you know, I, I ended up uh, being accepted to the conference. I had a wonderful time. And, and eventually that, that um, naturally segued me to, to work for the firm. That's awesome. So yeah, there seemed like if you, that's why I kind of asked about the question about the, the, the grades, because if you were just kind of a so-so student, there'd be something else. And uh, yeah. For those that don't know what DNLC, it's the Deloitte National Leadership Conference, and uh, most of the uh, big companies have some version of this. And in all honesty, uh, what that often is is a almost like a a recruiting challenge, <laughs> in the sense that they try to pick and choose the, the brightest and the best, and then whenever you attend it, uh, as much as you're having fun, uh, people are watching <laughs> and just making yeah. sure okay, this <laughs> yeah. might be uh, this person might be. Um, like kind of firm material where it's just an extended interview in, in all honesty. So uh, take those yeah. opportunities uh, in order to, to showcase what you can do. And of course, have some fun during the process. So. I, I actually had a great time. Um, as, as weird it was that you're spending a, like so many days with the people you don't know and, and a potential employer, it is kind of a weird dynamic, but it's actually very fun. Like we had, um, we had a lot of, it was just mostly games and, you know, some seminars and to get to know more about the firm but also a lot of networking to you know a lot of FaceTime with with people at the firm who were hiring and and had more insight about the practice of accounting and audit and the different service lines and you know all the all the great things that that accounting firms do so so it was actually very informative and and I guess great for the firm too because then they have more quality time to get to know you because to be honest, an interview is just so short. Right. Um, I sometimes question how much you can really get out of it, but 
<laughs> the whole week is a different story, right? <laughs> so, yeah. For sure, it's uh, yeah, de definitely. It's kind of like uh, dating versus living together. <laughs> it's quite a, yeah, yeah. quite a different experience if you put it in the relationships. Uh, um, <laughs> yes. Um, awesome. So, so, so you're uh, shortening your your accounting um, program, and uh, you you take your CPA now. Now, a CPA is not required to become a lawyer, right? So, yes. <laughs> why did you put yourself out through that rigor, or is, is that kind of part of the plan anyway? Uh, I, I think I fell into it. I, I have to say, I, I, the fact that I was already in the co-op program and the work experience that I had accumulated at Deloitte would count towards my experience requirement. Um, it just made, I thought it made a lot of sense that since I've started in the process, I had a job that supported it as well. Like there's all the training that came with being associated with Deloitte and, and all, all the great resources that they had um it just made sense for me i think to to continue on with that and and little did i know i was quickly wrapped into the whole exam process <laughs> and after that was done i'm like what the heck i might as well stay and finish my experience requirement and so that that's really how how it came to be and so and it also gave me time um during my work experience to go write my LSAT and apply for law school so I mean, I, I was trying not to waste time too. So um, while I was working, I, I made sure I was advancing the the other stuff that I, I was planning ahead. That's amazing. So it seems like that things were just kind of falling into place. It's like, ah, I'm so close to the finish line. I might as well just just go <laughs> to, to the end of it because you're three quarters of the way there. I might as well just finish it off. Um, but yeah. in the back of your mind, it was always uh, law was still there. Um, the, the SATs or the LSATs were, were being written. Uh, how, how was that experience? Um, are there any kind of thoughts in terms of, of how it compares to like studying for the, the um, your CPA exams and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. um, very different. I have to say it was very, it's just a different part of your mind. Um, and, and, and frankly, I, I think I'm a lot better. My mind is more set up maybe for the business side and accounting side than in, in the more linguistic side in the end. Hmm. Uh, maybe because I, I spent four, four years in uh, business school, I, I worked for a few years, I became trained to be more of a business person than, um, you know, a pure linguist, like a, I, I was, I certainly did not have the writing skills of someone who did a four year uh, uh, English literature undergrad, like that was just not me. Um, and so switching gears from the CPA world to, to now having to write my LSATs, um, really challenged me um, in, in certainly different ways. For example, the LSATs required have, they have a, a reading comprehension section. Okay. And in order to really do well in that, you actually have to read fast and com like really comprehend quickly and to be able to pick out the key points. And I mean, that's very much part of just general studying, like whether or not you're in accounting or, or law, that, that's an important skill either way. But I, I found that I, I just didn't read very fast. And, <laughs> and, and it, it really um, affected my, my ability to do well on the LSAT. And, and so I, I personally found that challenging. And I had to, um, uh, one component of the LSAT was the logical reasoning. It, it's one thing to, you know, analyze 
the CPA handbook, but it's definitely another thing to say, if A, then B, if C, then D, what happens if it's E? Like if, if in that technical world, I, I don't think I was trained that way. And I think philosophy students would do immensely well in it based on their training. But um, because I wasn't trained that way, um, it was definitely a, a big learning curve when I was, when I was uh, studying for the LSAT. And, and I have to say, I was struggling. Like my first diagnostic exams were not good. <laughs> and, and in fact, they were so bad. I thought I would never become a lawyer. Like I, I, I thought I would never make it. And I think people don't talk about that, but my scores were just, just horrendous. And, and so, I mean, I, I accepted that. And so I went and looked for, you know, um, study programs and there's a lot of them out there. Like they, they, they do drills with you. They, they teach you how to um, write the LSAT, how to understand what the questions are saying. And, and there's tips and tricks along the way. And eventually it was, it was, it just, helped me improve a lot and um in the end it was it was good enough for for me to get in somewhere so it was i ended up at, at osgood for for three years that's awesome so how was the the um, i guess selection for for law school um was was there like a, a lot of opportunities and choices or just kind of like well they're the only ones that let me in yeah i i mainly applied in ontario okay um i got into uh, most of the schools other than U of T, so like Osgood, York, uh, sorry, that's the same thing, uh, <laughs> Osgood, uh, Queens, and the Western, that sort of thing. Um, but I think in the end, I picked Osgood because they're situated in Toronto. They have a very close connection with the, the business law community here. And so I, I thought it made sense and, and I decided to go with, with Osgood. Um, but different schools are known for different things. And maybe that's a topic for another day. But for example, Queens is better known for criminal law. Mm. Um, Western is also known for business law, um, partly because of their affiliation with Ivy. Um, and then uh, Osgood is a mixed bag. There's, there's, it, there's a like, very big business community business law community but there's also a lot in the criminal space the the litigation space and and it's it's more mixed it's a it's a larger school um but yeah i it it, it worked out and it made sense for me i thought so now you you've got into uh osgood and, and you're starting starting law school how, how was that experience was it kind of everything that you expected because that was the ultimate goal uh getting into law school and then obviously practicing law but how how was the, the law school experience um, it was very different and, and actually quite, probably quite stressful at the beginning. I think I really suffered from imposter syndrome at the beginning. I think mm. everyone around you was used to getting like A's in, in university. And so, I mean, you're just, you're just average there. If you had an A, like that was, you're, you're just like everyone else. And so, um, and, and the grading system in law school is such that it, it's very structured. Only the, only the top 15% can get an A, 65% uh, get Bs. Um, and then I think the next 20% has to get a C and there's 5% that gets a D. And then there's a 5% variance somewhere in there. Sure. But it's very structured. Like no professor can deviate from this 
um, unless they get an exception from the dean, and it almost never happens. So it so my point being, everyone went from getting used to getting A's in undergrad. Now only fifteen percent of you or ten percent of you can get an A now, and it became a struggle because I I was starting to see myself getting D's. I'm like, oh crap! Like this is this is really bad. Um, and uh, B's, B pluses, uh, some A minuses, some A's, but but more B's than I'm comfortable with at the time. And so, um, yeah, it was uh, it was a bit of struggle um, getting comfortable with that that different uh, grading scale, and and frankly, also just um, uh, in business school, you you might read a chapter a week um, and you, you do some, there's some math courses, there's a good mix of, of, of subjects, but in law school, it's all reading. Like it's, mm. the books are like, like not even exaggerating, like, like Bibles and the paper is like Bible paper thin. Um, very <laughs> intimidating for, for someone who's not used to reading so much, but uh but you get used to it. I think after my first year, I, I, I just, you know, I got used to reading a lot. It's just an adjustment, I think. So um, because you had that more mathematical background. So it, you weren't really kind of trained to, to learn the same way. Um, and, and you talked about how uh, you didn't really read as much as someone. Yeah. With philosophy backgrounds um, who, who are, are used to reading quickly. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So this was a transition. So talk to us a little bit about the experience in, in getting the, uh, I guess, first job as, as a lawyer, right? So, so you have some CPA background. Uh, did, did you have like a co-op term in, in law school or is there some, there's articling or something? I don't, I don't know all the terms. But... It's a very similar process, actually. There's a summer internship in your second year and similar to the accounting world, you apply in the fall and then okay. you interview and then and then you go into uh, you go uh, into your first summer job if you if you get one. It's just that the process is a little crazy because um, the law society actually regulates when law firms can hire and approach candidates. Right. And so right. there's only specified periods of times in a year where they can they can actually um, coordinate that process. So in Ontario. Um, for your first summer job, there's a period called in, um, o- OCI is called in, uh, on-campus interviews. And basically you apply for maybe like 40 jobs. Hopefully someone will get back to you. And then over two days, you'll have all your interviews. And so I had 20 interviews in two days, Whoa. which was crazy. So they're like 20 minute things. So imagine um, in a library, a huge library, um, they set up stalls. There's partitions between each stall, and in each stall, there's one law firm with two recruiters. And all the candidates are in a holding room. And every 20 minutes, they'll ring a bell. You go out to your first scheduled interview. You talk to them for 17 minutes. They ring a second bell, and you have to go back. And then, and then in three minutes they ring a, another bell again, and then you go back out to your other interview. And it, it's wow. like a like a speed dating process over two days. And um, you can get any lunch or anything or any breaks, or is it literally <laughs> 20 back to back or 10 back to back in a day? There's, um, depending on your schedule, because everyone's schedule is a bit different based sure. on the interviews you got. Um, there is lunch, but um, sometimes you might have three or four back back to back. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's pretty crazy. 
Yeah. And then, and then after that process, if you, if you get uh, uh, an invitation to an infirm interview, which is the second step in the process, then there's a week where you will meet with firms and you'll have, you meet with them on day. It's, it's a three-day process. Uh, you'll meet with them on day one. Um, you'll have dinner with them or lunch with them one day. You'll have a second interview. And then on the third day, um, by then you'll, you'll probably know if you're getting a job. So Right. But you'll still, you'll still go through all three days. So let's say you bomb yes. the first interview. You'll still go through the three day, days. Uh, oh, uh, they have to interview. Uh, they have to invite you back. So okay. at right. the end of each day, you'll, you'll find out who you get interviewed with again yeah. next day. But there are very long, like they're like one interview with a firm would be like a two hour time slot. Okay. And it, Basically, they sit you in a room and maybe with one interviewer and every 10 to 15 minutes, someone will come in and then they'll add until there's three people and then one will come out and then next person will come in right. and one person will come and it goes on for about an, an hour or an hour and a half. So you'll see a lot of people within that time. Sure. And are these like behavioral questions? Are they like technical questions from a loss perspective or like what, what sort of questions would they have? Or, or well, actually, you know what, maybe we'll save that for, for a, a, a future discussion. Actually, but, uh, I have to say that that's a good question because they're very, um, they're actually not very, they're not technical questions and they're not generally behavioral questions. They're more about like your background. Um, I think they're trying to more get a sense of your soft skills. And on the technical side, they are only looking at your marks. It's very different from an accounting interview where it's very behavioral based. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, you might say that's a bit more, you know, based on merit, maybe maybe, or based on real skills. But like the law interview process is not like that. It's very just um, soft skill based Mm -hmm. and and how you interact with the interviewer is very different. So, so you got through the process and then you get, you get an offer and, and now you're an articling student. Is that what happens or? or... Yeah. And uh, 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 sorry, uh, the first step is you're a summer student, summer, okay. your second year. And then typically they hire you back to article after you uh, graduate and you article for one year. And then after articling, um, then you'll have to be hired back into one department and hope most people get a job, but Sometimes things happen, but um, yeah, cool. that that's awesome. And and when you go through the process, do you pick like the the type of law? Because law firm has many different uh, departments. So you said that you focus on on the corporate side, um, and and but corporate still has multiple different uh, areas as well. Um, yeah. How, how do you or they choose for you, or do you choose, or how does that process happen? That that's a, actually a very weird process. It's a, it's a two way thing. So when you interview, you sort of express interest in the sorts of areas of the law that you you want to work in. And for context, the firm is split into maybe 18 departments, 18 to 20 departments. There's there's corporate, but then there's um, technology, pensions, uh, um, there's employment, there's litigation, there's intellectual property there's there's many types of different services that our our firm does and most people won't know what they want to do specifically because honestly I don't know who's interested in pensions law to out of (laughs) out of the gate like that's so specific but so I I don't really know but um 
but generally we rotate into different areas based on our interests. So if I know I'm more interested in the um, transactional side, uh, I rotated through our banking group, which is the, the lending department. And then I, I then rotated through corporate, which is more of the M&A, your debt and equity issuances uh, of securities. Um, that sort of thing. Right. Um, but then someone who is more interested in litigation would probably rotate through the obviously litigation, but also maybe the construction department, which sees a lot of litigation, hmm. uh, maybe the data privacy department, which also sees a lot of litigation. Um, so it, it depends on your interest areas and, and you pick, they try to you know organize it for you so that you rotate through what you want. Right. And then in the end, it's sort of, there is like a bit of a matchmaking process where they rank the people, the department ranks who they want, who they want. You rank who you want, which departments you want, and they try to match it. Right. So it's kind of like that co-op hiring process all over again, but, but in law, right? So who yeah. matches with who, that sort of thing. That's it's weird because you already work there, mm -hmm. but you still need to find a job sort of. <laughs> right. In a department, so, you need to land somewhere. So it was kind of stressful then too. Yeah. So it's possible that uh, no one matches. Is, is that a possibility? Or a, you, you could always get a, your bottom match or something. It, it's possible that there's no match. And, um, but at a larger firm, it's, it's rare. Yeah. Um, usually they'll give you your second choice if, if necessary. Um, but in, in a more medium sized firm, it's oftentimes they might only hire six out of 10, uh, like, 60% of their of that class okay. back because you know they might be picking just the best of their group but a larger firm might keep more maybe 95% maybe there's one person who doesn't get come come back but generally you, you will cool so so if you could go back and give uh young Darren uh some, some advice uh maybe just like a post-it note with a few words of wisdom um in whatever high school or or university or in law school or like kind of those key areas where you were probably most stressed <laughs> or most challenged what, what, what are some of the the swikes the stuff I wish I knew earlier that you would share I I think after going through so many licensing processes and and just applying for schools and applying for jobs i think i i just worried too much i wish i didn't worry so much it's yeah. not that i i i'm overly confident in what i can get but it's more like i i think there's only so much you can control and i think you i i have to learn to say that you know i tried my best and whatever happens, happens. And I think that would have made my life much less stressful. Um, but I didn't learn this until much later on into my career. Um, I think I just spent, I waste too much time thinking, oh, what if I don't get this job? What if I, I don't get into law school? What if you know, I don't do well in that course? Um, but it's not constructive. I think that time wasted on thinking of the what ifs was just not helpful. And I couldn't do anything about it. And, and, and so if I, if there's one thing I could have done better, I think I wish I known was maybe just focus on the task at hand, um, try your best and you just have to let go. Like there's just, you know, it, things are what they are. So. Right. No, I think that that's great uh, wisdom and, and it's echoed a lot by a lot of folks, but I think it's one of those things that's easier said 
after the fact than in the moment, right? So, <laughs> Very are, are there, true. Are there any things that uh, you've come across that uh, if you were able to kind of share, I don't know, a tip or trick or something really practical that like, hey, do this and that'll help you uh, um, not worry so much? Do you have anything like that you could share? Um, I think what was helpful for me is to set goals, I okay. think. Uh, I naturally maybe a bit more, I, I like to plan ahead. And, and maybe that's the issue with the what if. That's why I, I spiraled out maybe a bit <laughs> at times. But I like planning ahead. And I think having goals helped me have some predictability in my in my in my life maybe so okay. so uh, when I was going through school I I set a goal you know I know I need this mark maybe to get into law school so I was always targeting maybe uh, a certain mark and then I was and then I would also schedule my courses so that maybe it would make my workload more manageable to make that target so I, I was trying to be strategic about having a mix of easy courses and hard courses, for example, in one semester. And then maybe going forward later in my licensing career, I licensing um, uh, period through the CPA exams, I, I was more concerned with the timing of things. Like when do I have to write an exam to apply for law school in time and then to write the LSAT in time and stuff like that. I think I spent a lot of time planning so that I wouldn't be scrambling last minute. And for me, that gave me a lot of comfort. Mm -hmm. Maybe not to a lot of people. I think everyone is very, is, is different in that regard. But yeah. I think the planning piece for me was was helpful. Okay. Yeah. So for if if you're that organized that needs to the predictability and know what's upcoming, then make sure you take that extra time to plan uh, can be helpful. So uh, yeah, I think that that's great uh, advice. And uh, I guess uh, we, we'd love, well, I'd love to have you back for deep dives into things like like more on accounting and, and law and even politics. Uh, it sounds like that might be an interesting yeah. Uh, but what, what are some of the, the future aspirations or things upcoming? And if, if folks are, um, and, and you're willing to connect with folks, uh, where could folks uh, connect with you? Yeah, um, I, I think future aspirations, I, I don't know yet. Actually, I, I sometimes wonder um, if I'll, you know, if I'll stay in law. It's just so interesting and, and very technical. I love, I love that aspect of it. Uh, but I also sometimes miss the business side of things, you know, I, I sometimes wonder if maybe down the road, I'll, I'll want some more, more of a blended role, a more business and legal role. Um, and so I think I maybe aspire to something more in between. Um, that would be great to, to down the road. Um, but yeah, if, if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out. I, I can be found on LinkedIn easily. Um, and, and yeah, feel free to reach out and, and certainly would, I would love to speak with more people who, who, uh, are thinking of the same path. And, and certainly at, at the time I had my cousin help me too. I, I have a cousin that was a lawyer. I have one cousin who's a lawyer and he was pretty helpful, really quite instrumental for me getting through the process. So happy to, to help others who, who are thinking the same thing. Cool. So you had a lot of familial help, uh, aunt and cousins and stuff that kind of one helps you get yeah. to accounting, one helps you get to law. So that's, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, right. Help. So awesome. So thanks uh, so much, Darren, for sharing your story and, and uh, a little bit of insights and, and the, the swipe, the stuff you wish you knew earlier. And uh, yeah, we'll, hopefully we'll have you back for another episode. 
Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.